ahead and be seated. Go ahead and be seated. If you have your Bibles with you, we're going back to James. Thank you, sir. We're going back to James chapter 1. If you have your Bibles with you. If not, it'll be on the screen for you, James chapter 1. Today we're going to be beginning at verse 12. It says this. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. And let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot tempt, be tempted with evil. He himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. And that desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Verse 16, do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift, every perfect gift is from above. Amen? Every good gift, every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, from whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Verse 19, know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, Slow to anger. Some of us need to hear that today. <laughs> For the anger of a man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your soul. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Dear Father, would you please comfort our hearts and strengthen our hearts and challenge our hearts and convict our hearts to live in such a, a newer and fresher way. Father, I pray that you are able to speak in ways that gives us a greater encounter and a greater experience with you. But Lord, we, we ask for more than just an experience. We ask, Lord, for a complete turnaround. We ask that you would just give our hearts a, a new sense of direction. Give our minds a new sense of peace, a new uh, understanding that, yes, you are for us. Yes, you are with us, but also you are the one guiding us as well, to guide us into all that you have for us. Lord, we love you and we thank you. We, we honor you. We, we glorify you. We do all of this, not because, Lord, we have nothing else to do on a Sunday, but because we believe that when we come before the Almighty God, something powerful happens. Something great happens. Something of, uh, uh, that is miraculous happens With, within us or outside of us. We just know that you are a God who is on the move. So, Lord, move in, through, and move in and through our lives. Bless us today. Bless your word. Bless your preacher. In your son's perfect name is who we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. Give it up for the worship team one more time. I love watching the worship team. Man, it was, uh, it was amazing to see a couple of these young cats up here. I was their youth pastor at one point. It was, uh, I just showed you how old I'm getting. And over here, Logan's got a beard. I'm like, I remember when he didn't have one. I remember he was just a clean-shaven boy. <laughs> well, good morning, guys. Welcome. As I said, we're going to be continuing in a sermon series called A Living Faith. We've been walking through the book of James. Has anybody read through James already in one week? My man, there's one Christian, two Christians. The rest of you repent. But uh, no, I'm joking. Relax, relax, relax. If you email anybody, email Logan. He doesn't look at him. So. But <laughs> I'm just saying, just to be honest. Uh, <laughs> But we've been walking through the book of James, and the one thing that we realize is James is going to breathe new life into our faith, right, right? He's going to breathe fresh life into our faith. He's going to help you and I not just to have a faith that, uh, of knowledge, right? Now, again, that's very important. 
but he's going to help us to have a faith that moves forward, right? Because there's one thing to know something, and it's another thing to do something with what you know. Does that make sense? And, I, and that's what James is going to help us. And in the first part of James, he's, he's helping us to understand in order to have a living faith, you have to have an enduring faith. Right? In order, listen, if you want to have a, a living faith, if you want to have a faith that is alive, you must, you must, without a shadow of a doubt, you must have an enduring faith. Right? You, you must have a sense of endurance that, that, that lies within each and every one of us. Because James has been talking to us about trials, our favorite topic. Why is life so hard? Why do we face difficulty? Why, why, why do we go through X, Y, and Z? And James has been helping you and I, been helping you and I to have a greater view of our difficulty so that we can have a much greater response. You know, when I think about James in this sermon series, it, it makes me think of uh, a guy by the name of Jim Stockdale or James Stockdale. He's the guy that came up with the Stockdale Paradox. Anybody ever heard of the Stockdale Paradox before? Some of you have. Uh, James Stockdale one, one time was an admiral uh, uh, for the U.S. Uh, 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 military service during the Vietnam War. Now, at this time that he is an admiral, uh, obviously he's, he's out and about doing his thing, where him and his bunch of men, they were captured and thrown into prison, right? Around the time of Vietnam War, where everybody is hating everybody, these these guys are thrown into prison, and they're there. Watch this. They're there, not in U.S. prison. I'm talking about over there in, uh, 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 during the Vietnam War. We're talking eight years this guy was in prison. Eight years. Eight years, and he talked about how during this time he was malnourished. They didn't feed him. He, he talked about how they, went, they got in, uh, infections over 20 to 25 times, how they were persecuted that some of the guards would come in and start beating them for no reason. I mean, they went through it. But then after eight years, the, 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 the troops came, rescued him, and took him back to the U.S. And he was interviewed about his experience in prison. And they asked him, well, how did you make it through? How, how did you make it through something that, 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 uh, that, that burdensome? How did you make it through something that, that, that you... Uh, 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 experience some of the worst, darkest moments that no human being would want to go through. And this is what he says. I, I love this quote. He says this. He says, uh, the very first thing you must do, if you could bring the quote up, the very first thing you, you must do is that you need to have unwavering faith that you will prevail. Keep that up there. Now, James is not talking as a Christian, right? He's actually talking about having faith in yourself. And we're going to get into that in just a little bit. He says, you need to have unwavering faith that you will prevail. But there's a second part to it. Look at the second part. But at the same time, you need to have the discipline to accept the brutal facts of your current reality as they actually are. So on one hand, on one hand he says this, you got to have faith. And on another hand, you got to face the, the, the facts. Now, why is that important? Because... If you just have faith, and faith does support the facts, but if you just have faith and you don't see your actual reality, you will not be able to function, able to manage and do the things that you need to do in your reality, right? If you just face the facts, well, then you won't be able to see yourself through because you are missing the faith, right? And I thought there's a very interesting concept that you and I, see, see, Christianity is not ignoring that the world is a broken place. 
See, I think people just think it's just faith, a blind faith, and we just believe what we want to believe, and, you know, we, we never face the, the, the harsh reality. No, friends, James teaches us that you must face the harsh reality that life stinks sometimes, right? That sometimes you're more depressed than you would like to be. That sometimes you, you're struggling a little bit more than you would like in your marriage, that, that sometimes you're, you're facing loneliness a little bit more, right? See, Christianity, it doesn't ignore the reality. It just overcomes the reality with faith, right? right? We're able to accept the brutal facts, but we're also able to see that our way through this is not in the faith in ourselves. It's not in the faith of what we know. It's not in the faith of our experience. It's not in the faith of our church, but rather through the faith that is in Jesus Christ, Right? Right, that, that we accept the brutal facts of this, that Jesus is sovereign and good and over all that we face. But here's another brutal fact, that Jesus is wise. Here's another brutal fact, that Jesus is a good leader. Here's another brutal fact, that Jesus rose and is triumphant and he promised triumph for us today. This is a brutal fact you and I can face and have today in the midst of our the darkest moments in our lives. I love James Stockdale. As he was interviewed, he was asked about the guys who didn't make it. Because some guys didn't make it, right? J James just happened to be fortunate enough to, to make it through the eight years. Some of them didn't make it. And he was asked, he said, well, who are the ones that didn't make it? He says, it's easy. It was the optimistics. The problem was they just always looked at the end and they didn't focus at the moment, Right? He says they died from a broken heart, right? How interesting is that? He says they died from a broken heart, right? And, and, and in our reality in the Christian faith, you and I can, can face today, right, because we know what tomorrow looks like, right? See, James, he talks about in this book that, 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 that there were some people, they didn't know how the story ended. They didn't know where things were going to go. Right? Over time, they lost faith. Over time, they had a hard time facing the facts. But at the end of the day, as Christians, we know how the story ends. Right? As Christians, we know who is in the, in the end, but we also know who is present with us in the moments of our darkness today. And James is going to help you and I to, continue to, to continually bring clarity to our trials and our darkest moments of our lives. Here's the one thing I want you to take away today that you can face today because you know what tomorrow looks like. But not only what you know what tomorrow looks like, you know who is in your tomorrow as well. Does that make sense? Right? We, we can face, listen, your adversity, it's hard. Things are tough today, but you can face it. Right? You can face it not because you're just so amazing and strong and you went to, to college and you got a you got a degree, and then you went back to college and spent 100000 more dollars, and you got another degree. And No, you're doing this because you know who's in your tomorrow. You know who's working for your tomorrow today at this moment. So let's go ahead and jump right into James, uh, uh, and James is going to continue today. But James is going to talk about something that's pretty interesting. James is going to now move and shift kind of his, 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 his conversation with us about trials. See, James, in the beginning, he talks about outer trials, right? right? Remember we said trials are the things that you face in life, the adversity. But, but you have to break it off in two categories. You got outward trials, right? Those are the trials of, like, 
you know, your marriage is really tough or your boss is really annoying and you're facing a big deadline at work or you got a bill that just came in, you didn't see it coming, you don't know how you're going to pay that. Right? There's a lot of outward trials. But then there's inner trials. There's inner trials. Now, sometimes the outward trials can create inner trials. What are inner trials? The inner trials is the daily battle that we face within. Because you do know life is full of many battles, but the greatest of battles that you must overcome is the battle from within. Right? 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 See, at the end of the day, life is going to be life, but at the end of the day, it's our job and our responsibility through faith in Christ by the power of His Holy Spirit that we guard our hearts, that we guard the things that goes on within. And friends, if you and I are not careful, we'll let the outward trials dominate, confuse, and separate us from the most important thing, which is caring for the inward trials. You know, the inward trials of loneliness, the inward trials of anxiety, the inward trials of fear, whatever it may be. Friends, we must give attention to the right places. Because some of us, we can be so consumed looking outward, we miss what's going on inward. Right? Some of us, we can be so focused on trying to get this situation together when our hearts are not together. Right? We could be trying to fix everybody else's relationships. <laughs> we could be trying to make, make sure everybody else is happy. But at the end of the day, James is going to teach us the most important trial that you need to give focus to is the trials that happens in your heart, right? It's the trials that happen, happens in your heart. You know, the traumas of life create inward trials. So let's go ahead and talk about a couple of them. The very first thing James brings up, he says in verse 12, he says, blessed is the one or blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. Let me stop right there. This sounds very like Jesus. In the Sermon on the Mount. Remember the Sermon on the Mount? Blessed is the, blessed is the man who is poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. We all know that. This is very Jesus-esque, right? Matter of fact, many scholars believe that, that James is nothing but the Sermon on the Mount, but it's a sermon, right? It's a sermon of the Sermon on the Mount. It's pretty interesting. But I love that he says blessed. Here's what James talks about. This word blessed, it means happiness, does not mean favor from God, which we're we'll getting to that in just a little bit. So James, if we're, if we're being very modern, James says, how happy is the one. But then he goes even further. He says, how happy is the one. Because if you think about happiness, we have this model of happiness that is flawed and uh, due to fail. But James gives us a true reality of what makes us happy. He says, this is what's going to make you happy in life, friends, when you remain steadfast under trial. This is very interesting language because you don't think about happiness like that. You know what you think about happiness is when you're pain-free, right? You know what we think about happiness? We think about happiness is when I don't have any issues in my life, when everybody is getting along, right? When I don't have any taxes, I'm waiting on the day that I get to heaven. We got no taxes, Jesus Christ. But, uh, right, that, that's, that's what we think, right? Right, but James says, blessed, how happy. It's an inward reality. How happy is the one 
who remain steadfast. This word remain steadfast or, or remain is pretty much the same language Jesus uses in John chapter 15 when Jesus says, I am the true vine, my father is a vine dresser. Every branch in me that doesn't bear fruit, he cuts off, but every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it becomes more fruitful. Already you are clean because of my word. Then he says this, abide in me. It's the same word, abide. What, what, is, what is James talking about? James says, here's what's going to make you happy when you're patient. Now, I just cursed in church, so I apologize. So patience is like a foreign word when it comes to Christianity. Listen, everything in this world has squeezed out every ounce of patience within us. Amazon Prime, I mean, it's just, right? You could could just go right on. I need some pencils. It'll be here in like five minutes, like legit. You ain't got to wait for it. So therefore, we take the same expectation that Amazon Prime gives us, and we equate that to our relationship with God. I want my blessing and my problems to go away right now, God. Right now. Right? But James teaches us. He says, that I find it very interesting. Your happiness is due not when you run from your pain, but you remain. You remain. You, 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 you be, you're, you're patient. You stay, right? Now, here's the one thing that I want to teach about patience. I'm going to go touch on this for a little bit because i got to jump into the next point. But I want to teach us about patience, that patience is, is not merely just us sitting and waiting uh, uh, and expecting God to do something. Uh, apart from it, it is waiting, right? Because a lot of us, you know, when, we in, when we're in adversity, we want, our pro- we want God just to take it away right then, right now, right? right? But, but life is life, and we need to learn how to be patient, Right? Right? I tell my wife that all the time. Hey, listen, I know I missed the laundry basket again when I tried to put my clothes over, away, but you just got to be patient with me. She's like, it's been 13 years. It's been 13 years. How long got to go? I'm like, you know what? Jesus is patient with me forever. You know, uh, the Bible says be like Jesus, you know. <laughs> right? Right? But I think patience is more than just us sitting and waiting around waiting for God to do something. I believe patience is sitting and moving at the same time, right? I, I believe patience is learning how to sit and, and be still and let God be God and let him take care of the scenario. Let him take care of your spouse. You can't change your spouse. Only God can do that, right? You, you can't change your children. Only God can do that. You can't change the nature of what's going on. It's, it's you letting God be God, but you're taking care of what you need to take care of today, right? I'll, I'll never forget when... Uh, uh, years and years ago when I had a warehouse shop, and I've talked to you guys about this before. Some of the times when I bring up stories, you're going to be like, we heard that one like 20 times, whatever. Um, but I, I want to tell you a story. When I lost my job in 2017 at this warehouse job, I'll never forget, I'll never forget, like, I, I remember how, how draining and uh, 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 upsetting that was. And you can only imagine. Some of you have been in that boat before, right? When, when you lose your job, it's, it's not fun, Right? But let me tell you the one thing that I continuously did. I kept thinking about the problem, right? Because we all cannot help but to think about our problems. We all cannot help but to continuously talk about our problems, right? We all cannot help but to continuously search on Google about our problems, right? Right? We're we're always all about our problems. We're we're always all about uh, looking at those things. And I understand that, and I sympathize with that, right? And I don't think James is trying to give us a stoic, uh, don't care about your problems type of, uh, of, of, of faith, but rather he's trying to give you and I a realization. There are times in our lives where we have to let God be God, right? Right? But we have to take care of what we have today. 
right? That was a season where my marriage suffered the most because I was so focused. I was so focused on trying to fix the problem, but what happened was me trying to fix the problem, I let things that were most important to me go thin. Am I right? You been there before, right? You're, you're, you're so focused on out here, you're not focused on what's truly important. I, I believe this, number two, uh, another way of how we can achieve patience is not only uh, being faithful to what God has given us, taking care of what we need to do today. Listen, problems doesn't mean you stop, your, your life stops, right? Right? Problems doesn't mean, you know, you stop doing what you need to do. You stop going to work. You stop taking care of your family, right? But also, I believe this, and more importantly, that, that you and I cannot have patience without first having God's peace. Right? You, you, you can't have patience without having God's peace. Here, here, again, one more time, friends. Peace is not when God gets rid of your problems and your pain. Peace is when you invite God into your problems into your pain, right? Jesus says this, Gospel of John, John 16, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give it to you. Let not your heart be troubled. What does he say next? Do not be afraid, right? I love what Jesus says. He says, my peace. If you understand the context, and I'm not trying to bring another scripture into this, but I love that Jesus says, my peace. My peace. Not a peace, but my peace, right? Jesus says, I'm the author of peace, right? We just did a sermon series about that not, not too long ago. He's the prince of peace. But I love that Jesus wants us to have this peace. And this is a peace that brings you and I to rest. Why can we be at rest? Why can we be at peace? Because we know who is before us and who is with us in these moments, right? Right? Sometimes problems will leave you scattered, let your mind be wonky and all over the place. But Jesus says, I've come to give you a peace that surpasses all understanding. I've come to give you a peace. God desires that you and I would be at peace. What does that look like? Where it says this, no matter how bad it gets, I'm not going to freak out. That's, that's a life at peace right there, right? No matter what the, well, no matter what the results may be, I'm still going to trust God. No matter if it gets from bad to worse, God is still faithful. No matter if it, if it doesn't work out the way that I wanted to, the way that I prayed about it, I can still be at peace because the Lord is good and all that he does is good. That's the peace God wants you and I to have. We can have this type of peace more and more in our lives. We, but we have to learn that Without peace, we can never be patient. And then James moves on to this next section. James starts to talk about temptations. He brings it up in verse 13. He says, let no one say when he is tempted that I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, for he himself tempts no one. Now, when you read this, you're probably like, all right, James, you just went from patience to temptation, and the whole thing you're talking about trials. How does this all correlate? How does this all connect? It, it kind of makes no sense. It, it feels like you're, you're, you're switching topics. I don't think so. I think what James is doing, James is talking about the inner trials, but I think what James is doing, James is talking to those. Now, bear with me here. James is talking to those still in trials, but he's talking to the people that their trials, their adversity, and their pain is because of their own actions. 
Does that make sense? Right? Is anybody, is anybody a professional at justifying their, prop, their brokenness? Right? Well, I had no other choice. You know, I, I had to do this. You know, I, 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 right? If it wasn't for this person, anybody professional at blaming other people for their problems? Oh, I got, I got your attention. Yep, you're shaking your head, moving your hip. Yep. I, listen, I lost y'all for like two minutes, but ever since I brought that up, you're like, ooh, wait a minute. Oh, yeah. Get out, get out of my house, okay? Get out, stay out of my life. Anybody professional at blaming other people for their brokenness and their problems? If my, if my mom and dad would have just been a little bit more focused over here, well, then I, I would have a lot more money, right? If my spouse, oh, my God, if my spouse would just stop being an idiot, right? If, if my kids, if they just would listen to me, come on, somebody, I told you don't, t- don't put your tongue on the hot stove. It doesn't make sense. Okay? Just don't do that. Right? Right? We, we love to, th- that when brokenness and problems come up, we love to try to deflect. We're great at deflecting. Right? We, we don't like taking ownership. In my men's group, we're, we went over the, the topic of ownership. We're calling it extreme ownership by this guy by the name of Jocko. Jocko, if you see him on the street, you're probably turned and run, a, run away because he's that scary of looking of a man. But, uh, but we're talking about extreme ownership. And we talked about that, that, that success begins when you own your brokenness and your issues and your failures. Right? And James, James gets to this point where he's saying there are probably some people that he's writing to that are probably saying, well, if God would have done this, if God would have done this, if God would have done this, and this would have happened. And a lot of us, we like to blame God for our issues, even though we're the ones who created the issues. Right? Right? We, we like to look at God. God, why did you let this happen? Right? Why did you? I remember, forget, a guy came up to me. He said, Pastor, can you pray for me? I said, we want me to pray for you. For He's like, I lost my job the other day. I'm sorry, man. Yeah, man, I, I, think, I, think, the, I think the devil is trying to, to, trying to get me, trying to get at me. And I was like, okay. And then he told me, he's like, well, I was, I was late like five or six times in a row, and then I called off, and then I, uh, they, they caught me sleeping on my job two times, no, three times, actually. I'm like, you lost your job not because the devil, that, you did the devil's work for him, okay? Right? You, you did it for him. You know what I'm saying? Right? Right? I think what James is getting at, James is trying to get us to understand that we need to take more ownership in our lives. We, we need to look at our lives and say to ourselves, you know what? We are where we are today because I didn't have the discipline that I needed to be able to keep my family where it needs to be. Right? Because there's a lot of shame that comes with owning, right? It's a lot of shame. I've been down that boat. You're not talking to a man who was absent of shame. Right? It's hard to accept that you hurt someone. It's hard to accept that you dropped the ball, right? It's hard to accept that you were lured and enticed. <laughs> and, and because of the things that were happening, it led you to, to do what you did, right? But here's what I want you to know. There is a grace and a mercy that is ready to be received, that's ready to be given, I'm sorry, that's ready to be given from God our Savior. And there's a blessing behind when you and I learn the art of ownership, the art of ownership. What if this was a week where when we're tempted 
when we're tempted to blame somebody, we say, well, hold on, wait a minute. Now, now I get it. There, there are some scenarios where it really is the other person's fault or it really is the circumstances that you fell into. I, I get that. I, I'll, I'll give you that, right? But, but probably if, I, if we were to look real deep into your life with a microscope and if we were to move around all the excuses and the blaming, we would see right dead the center in the middle of all the reasons why, and it's you. What if this was a week? Where we take the time and we owned up, we owned up for the dysfunction that exists within us and because of the dysfunction that exists around us. James says, sometimes sin can bring forth death. Now, James is not trying to say that if you sin or if you go against God, right, uh, that you're going to die. James isn't saying that. What James is saying, it's almost similar to what Jesus said in Mark chapter 9. Remember what Jesus says, if, you're, if, you're, if your hand causes you to sin, what do you do? You cut it off. Woo, that's kind of grotesque, Jesus. I don't know if I can put that on a coffee mug. But uh, if, <laughs> if, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better to enter life crippled than to enter, listen to this, this is, is going to get you right here, than to enter into hell. Whew. Wait, wait a minute. Hold on. And then he talks about the, the foot and the eye and cut it off and tear it out. Does, does Jesus mean that if I, if I sin that I'm going to hell? If I, if I, I believe Jesus is getting to a much deeper, deeper issue. I believe Jesus, when he uses the word hell, it's this word Gehenna. Now, Gehenna was a place on the south side wall of Jerusalem. I don't know if you know Jerusalem had a lot of walls around it. You guys do know that, right? They're really tall well, Jerusalem had a lot of walls around them. Well, on the south side of Jerusalem, there was a place where, because waste management didn't exist back in Jesus' day, so what they would do, they would take their trash, they would drag their trash, they would throw it over the wall, right? And over the wall, there would be this place where it's burning and burning and burning, and it would burn up the trash. Here's what Jesus is really trying to say. If you and I don't deal and own with the dysfunction that we have, we will create hell in our lives. That's what Jesus is saying, right? Because whatever you don't confront begins to take control, right? Whatever you don't own begins to own you, right? I love John Owen. He says, be killing sin or sin will be killing you, right? right? There's some things that, there's some habits within us that, man, we know we need to address. That's the inward trials that he wants you and I to focus on, right? Right, those are the inward trials. And then James hits to this. And let's finish with this. This is beautiful. I love this. And then James hits on this amazing portion of Scripture. James says this, verse 16 to 18. He says, do not be deceived, beloved brothers. Every good gift and perfect gift comes from above. Your trials and your adversity, James says, they are gifts. They are gifts from God. <laughs> We're like, well, God, take it back. No. <laughs> they, they are gifts from God. And listen to what he says, friends. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. I, I love that James brings into this portion and, and towards the end. And James says that, that yes, you, you need to learn to be patient and you need to learn to own up some of the brokenness. But here's another way of how we can endure in our trials. Here's another way of how you and I can, can face the adversity that we are facing in our lives or that we will face in our lives. 
James says we need to look to God, but not just we need to look to God, but we need to look to who God is and what God does. James says this. This is very interesting language. James says this. God is the source of all that is good. That's what he says. God is the source of all that is good. He wants you to know that God's heart is pure. But sometimes when we go through adversity, we like to, we like to question God, and, and I get that, right? I, I get that sentiment. We like to say, well, God, if, if you're good, then why is this? Why is that? Why is this? But James says, God's heart is pure and gentle and righteous. But not only does he move to this, he goes on and he says this, this beautiful language. He says that in verse 17, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Listen to this. This is amazing. James says this, not only is God the source of our good, but also, number two, God is unchanging in person. Right? I'm going to teach you a little bit today. Put on your hats. Tie around your, 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 your chin. All right, you ready? God is unchanging. This is what we would call the doctrine of immutability. That means that God cannot change. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, right? You and I will change. I'll never forget every year we used to get the yearbooks when I was in high school. And, you know, this one girl that I had a big crush on, she wrote in there in my yearbook. She said, I hope you never change. I was like, hmm. Looking back on that, I had FUBU jeans on. I had, man, listen, the size jeans I had, you can, you can put my whole family in those jeans, okay? I mean, I, I had, I had uh, a Nietzsche. You guys don't know about a Nietzsche. You, you, they don't know about a Nietzsche. You had a Nietzsche, right? I was, I was, I was wearing, I, it, was, it was all bad. I'm thankful to God that I changed, friends. Can we be honest? Can we be thankful to God that we're, we're, we've changed, right? <laughs> but, but here's the truth. God is unchanging. I, I believe what James is trying to say, he's, he's trying to bring kind of a, 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 a science way of looking at faith. He says, look at the world and how it's moving, right? How the sun and how it moves, right? And, and, and therefore, because the, the sun moves, shadows changes, right? Right? That's why he says no shadow due to change. He says, look at the world and how it moves and how the shadows begin to change. The sun that's, that's sitting up right now will not be there in the next several hours. The shadows will change. But God is unchanging. But also, number two, notice James says this. James also says that, that God is not only unchanging in person, but he's unchanging in purpose. Oh, this is really, really good. He's unchanging in person, and he's unchanging in purpose, meaning this, that God desires to accomplish whatever he wants to in his life. Now, here's what he's trying to get to. You can be confident that although, yes, God is unchanging in purpose, and he desires to do whatever he, do, what he wants to do uh, in our lives, he's the source of good, right? So we can't think that God would ever try to rob us of joy. No, God doesn't want to do that to you because he's a source of good. He's a source of all that is good. God is unchanging in his purpose, right? The world and all of its movement, right, it's moving for what reason? It's moving for a purpose, right? It's, it's, it's sunrise here, but over in Uganda, it's, it's nighttime, right? Right? Now in a couple hours, it's going to be the opposite, Right? It's, it's moving for a purpose, 
And this is what James is trying to get you and I to do. He's trying to get you and I to find a hope. And where is our hope? In a God that we can trust. Why can we trust God? Because he's unchanging in person, and he's unchanging in his purpose. This is, where God, this is where James is trying to get us to do. Our hope and our trials is knowing that God is unchanging. Unchanging. This is where your hope lies, friends. That God is not mad at you today because of the temptations you gave into yesterday. Right? He said his steadfast love endures forever. God is not disappointed in you. God, does, God does, doesn't want to burden you. No, God's heart, the same God that, that blessed the, 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 the stinking socks off of Israel, even though Israel kept going backwards, he continued to bless them. That's the same God that we have with us today. The same God who delivers, the same God who changes, the same uh, changes the narrative of people's lives, I meant to say. The same God who restores and redeems, that's the same God with you and I today. So why can we have hope in trials? Because God doesn't change. While the world is changing, and we see it today, see it all over the news, while the world is, is going crazier and crazier, it seems like. It feels more and more uncertain, right? And you can pick any topic. It feels like it's all out of whack. There's one thing that is constant. God. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the constant one. It's the reason why you and I can have a hope today. This is the gospel. It's another gospel message, right? The gospel, yes, is Jesus coming and dying and resurrecting. But not only that, but that you and I would realize that at the end of the day, God is unchanging. Right? He's unchanging. And, he's the, and he, he is the source of of all that is good. Right? I want to challenge you today one more time, friends. One more time. Three things. Right? Patience. Right? Ownership. That's what we talked about today. And look to the true nature of who God is. That God is who he is forever and ever. The same God that loved you yesterday, the same God that's going to love you today. The same God that wants to bring you peace today, yesterday, the same God that wants to bring you peace today. The same God that, that is just yesterday is the same God that is just today. He is unchanging. And Jesus Christ is unchanging too. This is where our hope lies. This is why you and I can face what we face today. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Father, we thank you. We love you. We honor you. We pray, Lord, that you would, you would, produce within us a hope that is unshakable, Lord, that you would produce within us a hope that, that allows us to see that not only are you with us in our future, but you are present in this moment today. You, you're present right now. You're with us and ready to guide us and bless us and to lead us in the way that you've called us, Father. Father, I pray today that, that we can exercise more patience. I pray today that we can, yes, Father, we can, we can exercise what it looks like to, 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 to really, really own the dysfunction in our lives. That we wouldn't let a day go by where we look at everybody else's problems before we look at our own. 
that, that we wouldn't let a day go by where we're looking at everybody else's flaws and we're not looking at our own flaws first. That, that Father, we would say to ourselves that there, there are things within us that need to be cleansed and need to be redeemed and need to be healed. So would you help us do that today? And Father, I pray that we look to the unchanging nature of Jesus Christ. Father, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and that we can live with the sense that, that your purpose for our lives, it doesn't change. No matter how much we screw up, no matter how much we drop the ball, no matter how much we, 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 we do things we shouldn't do, your purpose is unchanging. Your goodness is unchanging, and you will always lead us into where you, where you want us. We love you and we thank you. In Christ's perfect name is who we pray. Amen.